my book club members. I'm Jen. And I'm Carrie. And this is Warhammer 40k Book Club, where we read from a crag. This is episode number 99, and our book is The Lion, Son of the Forest by Mike Brooks. It tells the triumphant return of the lion to the 40... But it's the second millennium. <laughs> we posted several questions on our website. I hate you. I didn't get the copy of the book. Um, was on five minutes early. Did not get a copy of the hardback or the limited edition. We posted several questions on our website, wh40kbookclub.com, and we encourage participation in our conversations via Twitter, YouTube, our site, or Encrypted Box channel. Spoiler warning, if you haven't yet read this book, definitely check it out and then come back and listen to this episode as we're going to be diving into tremendous detail about this from start to finish. With that, let's dive in. As always, Carrie, did you like the book? I did, but not as much as you did. I loved this book. This is, I can already tell that this is going to be the forerunner for my book of the year. And this might be one of my top 10 favorites. I had the same reaction reading this book that I had to Apocalypse, where it just like got its hooks into me and I loved everything that I was seeing and I was here for the ride. Even with the weird mirror wings. Actually, probably because of the weird mirror wings. Mirror wings? Because I, yeah. I'm just not remembering it. This is, why I, this is why I don't read the books usually until about two days before the podcast because I won't remember. <laughs> I don't I actually uh, remember Mirror Wings. Yeah, uh, what's his face? Um, Terrifex, when he, when the mirror like falls on him and then his wings spread out all Zinchi style and you can see the reflections of people in them who he's torturing currently. I was like, this is an aesthetic that I'm here for while not necessarily approving of it, See, if that makes sense. That's why I don't remember it. You get to chaos stuff and I immediately just like, eh, whatever. It's all the same. Zinchy zinch. Um, what parts stood out to you? Um, there were a few things. Like, I am so glad I had just finished reading Angels of Caliban in the Horus Heresy before I got to this because there were so many callbacks and there was so much... Um, it was really leaning on the development of the lion and the and the entire thing with the fallen was in, in Angels of Caliban. Uh, you know, what happened with Zaharia, what happened with Cypher, what was really going on. And honestly, like, I'm glad and I'm not. I'm glad because it lighted in anything. I'm not because I really wish Gav Thorpe wrote this book and not Mike Brooks. Um, I kind of feel the same way about this as you felt about Gav Thorpe writing Space Wolves. I like the book. I don't like you writing this faction particular, but that's right. That's just, just me. I mean, probably, you know, there was a lot of things that I liked, but as for like standing out, um, I'm looking at my notes and I didn't take a lot of notes. And I think it's cause I was kind of like, yeah, okay. It doesn't, all right, let's be honest. This book did not wow me as much as I was expecting. I think I put way too much into this. I was expecting because it was the lion and with the dark angels and the fallen, this was just going to bowl me over, and and it didn't. Um, and what's so funny to me is that so many comments I have seen from our YouTube channel and stuff is people were like, I hate the dark angels, but I love this book. And I find that funny. Uh, just for the I have decided to go back to a comment you made. I've decided that maybe I don't hate the Dark Angels. I just hate Gav Thorpe. His writing style and his take on them. Maybe that's... And you know what? I could be wrong. Maybe it's... Because there is... There were moments throughout this book where I was like, oh, for 
God's sake. Um, like Zabriel, for example, there's a part where he's thinking in the beginning and he's kind of ruminating and he's like, we were the first, we were the blueprint, we're the ones who do everything and blah, 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 blah. And he had a lot of those things that I was just like, oh, <laughs> there's the dark angels I know. Well, no, that's not fair. That's the Terran dark angels, the Terran. And that's one thing that was really highlighted a lot in Angels of Caliban, especially with the Terrans who are actually were, you know, that were banished or they felt like they were banished to mm -hmm. uh, Caliban. Uh, sorry, guys. I'm, I'm sick. Jen's sick. We're we're fighting. We're fighting through. Like I, my head's like really really foggy right now. Um, I don't know if it's that you. I think what it is is that was bit you didn't like you liked Phil Kelly's book about the Dark Angels, but you still didn't like the Dark Angels, and mm -hmm. so. Honestly, but, you know, going back to, like, thinking about, like, the Space Wolves and stuff, I'm not a fan of the Space Wolves, but I enjoyed those books written by Gav Thorpe because that was my interpretation of the Space Wolves. Because was, Gav Thorpe doesn't like the Space Wolves. So yeah. if you don't like them, right? Because we had that conversation in that book with, that he wrote. Well, well, we're assuming that he doesn't because he's written, you know, two of them now. But, I mean... Given the books, like, that's my... You're right. That is completely my, in, my inference from them. I don't them. think... I don't think Mike Brooks gets the Dark Angels. It's the same way, like, you didn't think, like, Gav Thorpe gets the Space Wolves. And that was kind of my thing. I just, I did not like his 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 take his, his take on this. And maybe it's because I just felt like everything with the Fallen was a little too, I don't know. It all comes together too perfectly. Like, I was looking for more of that Dark Angels secrecy. Um, oh, you're not going to believe what, what, what's been going on. And what I see happening instead is I see this as a lead to he's about to create a whole lot of more problems for his own faction because his own faction is going to be like, dude, like the prodigal son returns. You're letting these people back in. We've been like hunting them like our entire lives because they abandoned you when, you know, when they attacked you first, which as Abriel's like, holy crap, it was actually Luther and them. They did do this. Like we really messed well, up. I loved the scene where Zabriel's explaining to Kai, he's like, oh, yeah, um, you know, look, basically the lion says that we attacked him first. And Kai immediately is like, I told you there was something wrong with Luther. Like, that guy got it immediately, right? And everyone else is like, shh, like, keep down the down low. Like, we're not discussing yet with this person. We don't know this person from Adam. But... I loved the idea that, and there is a little bit, I think, um, I think that's actually the part that I love is that of all the potential that I saw with the lion, but I think, you know, him coming back, him bringing the fallen back into the fold was not something I was expecting. Um, and I think one of the things that I really like about it is that, and this goes back to Apocalypse. The whole concept of Saint Dreadnought was very interesting to me because the idea of a, tra a traitor being able to turn around and find that redemption, I really liked that in the 40k universe because we know that some of the, we've seen plenty of characters of this, like plenty of the traitor legions either, they just kind of got wrapped up in the fact that they were part of that legion and they're like, eh, I'm not necessarily into the chaos thing. Or they have regrets, deep regrets. And I like the idea that the lion is basically like, so long as you never trucked with chaos, I'll talk to you. 
Yeah, and I understood that because that was actually something Astalon and um, Angels of Darkness actually mm-hmm. brought up. Was not that not that he wasn't on that side, but when he was during his um, interrogation, he was actually talking about he talked about the battle, and he even said there was a group of dark angels that um, did agree with what happened and was fighting against them. So I'm imagining these guys were in that faction who were just like, no, 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 no. We need to find out what's actually what's actually going on. Um, so uh, and that that I that I I. Un- I understood. I guess, I don't know. I think I had higher expectations of this book and it just didn't meet what I was personally expecting. I didn't expect the Watchers in the Dark to take them on a goddamn fever dream. Be like, oh, you're going to go here because we're going to take you here and see how this. And now we're going to let you go here and we're going to warp you over here because this is what the Watchers do. They, there's something that she talked about a lot in Angels of Caliban was how they would they'd warp people different places. Um, yes. It, so let's actually let's dive into that because that was like, I, I got that that was partially what's going on, but that wasn't my full interpretation of it. So let's talk about the forest, the wounded king, the watchers in the dark. Like for me, right? I love the concept of Caliban breaks in a warp storm. I love the idea that essentially the lion was cast adrift. Right, that all of these guys were all of the following. So they talk about how they pop in and out of the warp, like at random places. Right, that like that the lion was essentially adrift at sea, and the emperor is fishing for him because he's trying to get his sons back to him. I love this idea. And there's a scene later in the book when he goes back into the forest the second time before they come out on that uh, the second planet whose name I cannot think of right now. It's not Cameron; it's the other one. But he talks about how he feels like there's a hook in his chest dragging him. I love the idea that the emperor is like, okay, come on. Now you got to come over here now. We've got other stuff I need you to do. And then he gets to that planet and they're like, you know, randomly we have this giant pistol, this giant gun that nobody can use. And it's even too big for a space marine on our planet. It's just been here for forever, by the way. Like, and also. See, that's my problem. It's too convenient. And I'm not, I don't like things perfectly tied in a little bow. I actually like it, and I'll tell you why. Because what's one of the conversations you and I have a lot? Is this all in the Emperor's plan? Okay, I guess. But when I read that, I was like, you sly dog, you. I think that's too simple of an explanation. That's just me. Mainly because you got the Watchers in the Dark involved. And the Watchers in the Dark have always been, we are basically the um, spirits of Caliban, in a way. That get, that gets really inf- really discussed a little more heavily in, in Angels of Caliban. So, um, I mean, I could see the Watchers in the Dark going to the Emperor, you know, in this weird fever dream, because this is what the Watchers do. They pretty much spoke to Zahariel the first time in a fever dream. Um so I think that's, they're just going to be little fever demons just going around because that's usually when they talk to people is when they're not sure what's going on, where they are, or what or what's happening, or what's happening. I mean, there's that one watcher that came to visit the lion. Oh, when he was going to leave McCrag at the end of Angels of Caliban, and was basically telling him, "Was like, you're not supposed to go home yet." And he was like, "Well, that's interesting coming from you." And that's when he puts together the puzzle about what Kurz was saying. It was like, "Oh my God, my father's still alive. I need to get back to McCrag like immediately and and, and stop the execution." 
because this means our father's alive, which I'm just kind of like, you don't need to stop the execution. I mean, yeah, your dad's still alive. <laughs> you have to stop killing this guy, but, you know, whatever. If it, I mean, the book ends with, you know, Kerr's laughing like a madman, so why not? Uh, but the, uh, the watchers make things, to me, the watchers make it too muddy. And that's just, maybe I really didn't like this book. I was just, I was, I liked it, but I was disappointed at the same time, I guess. I really liked The Watchers in the Dark. I liked the concept of the Emperor essentially trying to fish for the lion to get him back, right? But then also presented, and I understand that there is the literal, the Fisher King metaphor going on here, right? There's definitely an allegory. That was the word I was looking for, not a metaphor. This allegory of the, the Fisher King, and I, which fits so delightfully. But it was also, I liked the idea, because there's a, um, I can't remember which book it is or what Primark book it is. It might have been the Alfarious book, but... The, but I wanted to think it was the lion who was ruminating on this. But the idea that the emperor presented himself differently to each of his sons. So like when each of his sons looked upon him, they that, saw something that, that reflected was, in them. That was from the lion Primark novel. Okay. So when he talks about how like they each... Because the lion, of course, is like, I mean, I see the real version of him. But everybody sees him kind of how they... What they would respond to, right? And so I love the idea that he's in a forest, in a boat, fishing, because that is something that would ruminate with the lion. And I like the idea that maybe the watchers in the dark can step up as part of the lion to be like, okay, we can help you here. But now it asks this huge... Well, actually, first off, let's talk about... So he meets him twice. He meets him once in the river, where the emperor is basically being circled by <laughs> the chaos, the gods, the deep, like everything, right? Then he meets him in the castle. That scene... It also leads into our next question, our next question too, but that scene I really loved because I like that the lion being the lion is like, all right, I can help you, dude. And I love when the emperor looks at him and is kind of like, no, you need to not be here right now, or you need to figure out the right question to ask me. I don't have the strength to add, to tell it, to explain this stuff to you, right? But it's also very much the emperor, like... I need you to figure this out for your own self. I'm not going to sit here and draw pictures for you. Well, it kind of reminded me of when Raboot talked about his conversation, doing air quotes for podcast people, conversation he had with his father. He said his father lacked the subtlety he once did. Yes. I loved that, but it begs the question. Sorry, it does not beg the question because that's the wrong use of that phrase. But it brings up the question, what is the right question? Is the question, how do I help you? Is the question, what do I need to do? I mean, obviously, who are you? It's not, not, not the right question, probably. <laughs> but what question could he possibly be waiting for the lion to ask? Oh, it's not, you know, I kind of wondered this at first. I was like, you know what? I don't want to know. This, is, uh, this, is this the contents of Marcellus Wallace's briefcase? Yes. I was going to do a different take, different reference, but but that works as well. I mean, that actually works works very fun. Like, I don't want to know. We don't need to know. I don't think it's important to know what the right question is, because again, this it's kind of fun to also plug something in angels. in your brain. I would like to have. This is like why we like them because of the secrecy and mystery. It'd be nice that there's actually one mystery that the lion can't solve, even though he thinks or, he knows everything. Or, like, eventually he'll be able to solve it, right? Down the road. Like, he doesn't need to solve it right now. He's got enough on his plate and right I now. I don't think he ever needs to say what it is. 
you know, no. it's kind of like, um, remember the movie City Slickers when, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, anyway, he was telling Billy Crystal, you know, the only thing that matters in life is that one thing. And he's like, they oh, never, Jack Palance. Yeah, Jack Palance. But he never tells him what that Early. One, one thing is. And at the end, you know, Billy Crystal, he was like, you know, I remember, I now know what that one thing is. And they're like, well, what is it? And he's like, I can't tell you because it's different for everybody. And that's kind of how I feel like this is. He he knows what that question is, but he's not going to tell us. Or I'll be very disappointed. Maybe. Or I'll be very Or he doesn't know it. I mean, I'm, I I'm think... not saying like right now, but like eventually, like he'll know, but he's not going to I agree. tell us. Like the same way, like I love the fact we don't know the conversation with between Reboot and his father. Yes, I was just about to say that. Like the fact, like, I don't ever want to have that spelled out. I don't ever want to have the exact dialogue that goes between them. We can infer so much of it. And I feel as though Gee Haley really gave us that he gave us enough context clues that again, we can kind of infer. And if we can't infer from that, we can certainly infer from Mortarian's reaction, right? Where Mortarian's like, Oh, you did talk to dad, didn't you? How did that go? Like, there's so much that we can kind of plug in there and make our own conversation. And we're probably all, and I say all, like anybody listening to this, we're probably all in the gist in the neighborhood of the same area, right? Like the particulars might change, but we're all kind of, and I feel like this question is probably the same thing too. We'll all come up with something that's probably in the same neighborhood of something, but I don't, I don't ever want it to be. And I also don't want it to be one of those like magical MacGuffins where all of a sudden, like two years from now, 30 books from now, the lion walks before the king and is like, question. And then the emperor is just like, hey, I'm good now. Like, or nor do I want him, like, I would like it to be something that is implied. Like, maybe he does go and talk to the emperor. He asks the question, the question, the emperor talks to him. But we as readers, we don't need to know. I don't, if it's like, I need you to quest to go and find a shard from an eagle Okay, great. I don't need to know that. <laughs> like, there's there's actually kind of a great fun to that mystery. Hermabius is going to be like, I need you and your brothers to get along and work together. Speaking of that, so what do you think of this 40K version of the lion? How has he grown? How is he the same? Well, one, one thing I wrote in my notes is that I really feel, especially if you look at, you know, look, just it looks alone. Like, I take the Primark novel, how he looks on the Primark novel, and compare him to how he looks here. And all my Green Arrow jokes aside, I feel like this has become his transformation from Lancelot to King Arthur. In many ways, like, I know it's a little heavy-handed because they are, like, you know, the, the Camelot Knights. I mean, hi, Fisher King, Sir Gawain. I mean, it's pretty much ham-fisted in there. <laughs> Medieval British lit. Um, Loved it. <laughs> I I was mixed on it. You know what? I was fine with it until he put it in the afterword. I was like, I hate it when authors do that because I like the reader to make their own interpretations. Because if you don't get that interpretation and you totally interpret the Sir Gawain thing to be something totally different, awesome. I don't care what the author's intentions are. Anyway, that's my own personal uh, lit literature rants there, but. But, um, but I felt like this was his, like, because he was always, you know, that, that knight Lancelot who was always, you know, running forward, not really thinking about others. And now I see more of a king. He's Arthur now. He realizes he's got a really heavy burden. Um, he messed up. 
you know, not Mordred proportions, but he messed up. And he's trying to seek redemption in his own way with his subjects or, or his sons and try to right any wrongs that he had. And honestly, just for him to say that he failed his brothers is huge for him, especially after coming off of Angels and Caliban, when he was convinced that um, Sanguinius and Reboot failed him, even though he was the one who really, really messed up uh, how he handled cars and everything. Um, but... Well, and I think that's actually one of my favorite scenes in the book. It's very early on, but it's Mike Brooks did a thing and it's a very difficult thing to do where he has shown a character, as you said, who's progressed from like Lancelot to Arthur. He has shown a character who has grown and changed a little, but is still the same character. And there's a scene early on when he's talking with Zabriel and he's thinking about the Imperium Secundus and he's like, oh man, like, I just, I should have worked more with Reboot. Like, I understand, I understand what Reboot was trying to do, and I understand what he wasn't trying to do, and I just should have been, like, he, he's a good guy, and I, I should have been more cooperative. I should have been more supportive. And then Zabriel's like, oh, yeah, you know, Gulliman broke apart the legions, and the lion immediately is like, that son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Like, then he immediately still goes back to the old lion that we know. But that that, there were that, that two... made me laugh because I I mean I will say for Mike Mike Brooks like yes that is exactly how the lion would react. <laughs> well, exactly because again, and he goes just like between this deep contemplative version of him where he's actually thinking more. And two phrases or like variations of these phrases that popped out a lot in this book is when they would say like he is unaccustomed being questioned he is unaccustomed mm -hmm. to being doubted but like and then he would talk about how he swallowed he repressed his irritation he repressed his anger because he knows that he's a stranger in a strange land and he needs all the help he can get and beggars can't be choosers right now i loved that i also love at the end of the book when dante shows up like he's kind of like okay i'm a little trepidatious here like i'm gonna meet some blood oh, angels man. When he sees Dante, Dante walks down and he face. immediately is like, who are you? Like, yeah. we see the old lion of how dare you, sir. And then, oh, okay, 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 okay. And then, then you, you see that new, like, contemplative version of him of like, okay. Which, honestly, <laughs> in the lion's defense, I would get that. You see the face of your, your dead brother walking up to you. He's like, that's not cool, dude. Like, not cool. You shouldn't be doing no. that. Well, and... God, can you imagine trying to explain that to like it, having to explain that to a Primark of like, oh, yes, your dead brother. Yes, I wear his visage to honor him forever. And to hide the fact that I'm like 1500 years old. But, what? you know. Well, I liked what he said. He's like, oh, I've served the period for like a thousand years. And the lion's like, come again. Um, I also liked that he did a lot of stuff where he ruminated on other Primarchs. And I like, this is always one of my favorite things is when the Primarchs ruminate and think about like the other Primarchs, right? And like, when he talked about when he, when he was thinking about Russ, right? And he's like, Oh, man, I almost missed that big, dumb, savage bastard. And then, but he also talks about like, when he was comparing like Russ to Angron, and he's like, Yes, Russ appeared the savage, but it was a savage with control and restraint. And um, yeah, I did. He also had when he talked about, you know, he's like people thought he was just an idiot. And, you know, because because Raboot said the same thing before, which I kind of like that, that, yes, they present this way. But the brothers know. You know, like, no, he's actually very, very smart. He he plays a role yes. to get a rise. 
Yes, and to like, yeah, exactly. And there was a scene that I really liked with him too when um, there, it's when that first space combat and Derrigan is just like kind of shocked because he's like, how did you know that the traitors would fire on themselves? And the lion's like, oh, you never met Angron, did you? Like, and I love that Zabriel's like, oh, snap. But then remembers, he's like, oh, wait, you don't even know who Angron is. Yeah, like, like he's so waiting. the insult just—he was waiting for them to be like, you know, genuflecting and you know, throwing like, like oh, no, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> crossing themselves, exactly that. Um, it's that kind of stuff. That, but again, I just I liked how much, and I liked in the very beginning when he's kind of thinking and he's trying to piece together stuff, and again when he's thinking about reboot and he's thinking about Imperium Secundus, and he says he's like, Father, why did you make us so incomplete? Because he recognizes his own failings, right? But he recognizes his brother's failings, too. Um, and, you know, Actually, again, to use D&D yeah, terms, this is why you don't speck into one tree. Well, you know, I really liked when, you know, of course, I liked to like his reflection on Reboot, especially with the way that things ended in Angels of Caliban with Reboot, like casting him out and like, you are no brother of mine, which that was Reboot being angry. And it does take a lot for him to be angry, but when you're like willing to sacrifice like his people so that you can get your monster trophy, he gets a little angry. Needless, <laughs> understandably, right? Especially when you already promised you wouldn't do these things, and then you did it. Now, was it kind of weak that it was Kurz who told on him? Yes, but that, of course, it's what Kurz is going to do. Of course. Um, no, but when he was talking about, you know, how Reboot how he's such a brilliant statesman and tactician. He said, because he's able to focus on a million things at once. He said, but he was never a good arm to arm combatant. He said, because I think he can't focus on just one thing. He's too busy analyzing everything. I'm like, you know what? That's probably, that's probably very true. That's one reason why you, you saw him, not that he couldn't kick ass. And you read the Primark novel of his, when uh, my favorite scene is when he's chasing down the orcs. I mean, this big old blue thing running after you has got to be a little crazy. He's, he's so fast. He's able to catch up with these orcs. And it's just like picking them off one by one. Just throwing them off. It's a great, great scene. Mm-hmm. But when he's when but when that wonderful scene also when he confronts Angron. And Angron easily bests him. Sending Reboot crawling away. He was like, yes, that's the second brother now. I've gotten to crawl away from, crawl away from me. It's like, there's something to that because he's not able to mm-hmm. It's a really interesting um, explanation for why he's so good at chess, but isn't good at boxing. I guess it's a probably better way to explain all that. Whereas the lion, because he promised the lion, and he even says that, is that he gets hyper-focused. And, the, yep. and that's like, and that's another thing that he had, one thing I loved in Angels of Caliban was that he was always talking about how he did get hyper-focused. And he's like, yes, I might've done this, but I had this in mind. And they, and, and they totally, you know, like Luther, he knew I sent him off there because I'm not a good ruler. Like he needs to be doing that. He's much better at that than me. That's why I sent him. And I was like, and in my notes I was writing, but did you tell him that? He thinks he's being punished. They all think that they're being punished. Which they delved into a lot in this book, right? Yeah, Especially with Zabriel, with him, like, really reflecting on, like... confronting him, he was like, this is what happened. He was like, that's not what I meant. Didn't you guys get the memo? Like, oh, the one you never sent when we're just supposed yeah, to... Yeah, right, exactly. Like, Didn't you just read my mind? Well, and it's, it's funny, and this goes back to that phrase of him, like, asking the emperor, like, why did you make us so incomplete? 
I feel as though the lion in particular is guilty of, well, I have looked at the situation. I have analyzed it thoroughly. So everybody else has analyzed it as well. Like I respect Luther so much. I have done the math here and I have mathed out that I'm better for this and Luther's actually a better people person. So clearly Luther has also done this math and has come to the same conclusion. It's, I mean, Luther raised me. <laughs> I feel like the lion is the definition of assumption is the mother of all F-ups because yeah. he he does. He, he tends to, and he says it in that, I actually had to pull up because I highlighted that passage as well, when he says that he is aware it has made him cold and detached to others at times, but that too is an extraneous detail because mm -hmm. he talks about how he just focuses on, on the bigger picture and just leaves all the extraneous details to his subordinates. And the fact that, yeah, people, there was a misunderstanding. People found him to be very cold. People found him to be very detached. Eh, details. Right. Like, my, my that's, details, like, you guys will figure it mm -hmm. out. Well, and, like, I think sometimes I think that it is that kind of hunter-gatherer mentality there, right? Um, one of the things I talk about a lot, the difference between, like, girls and boys hockey is that girls hockey is a very social game, whereas boys, it, it, it's a very, like... <laughs> Don't make no mistake. These girls are out to win and they will. The checks that we have seen in the spring high school league, I'm like, damn, girl. Um, but like boys, if the boys aren't getting to get along in the locker room, they don't care. They're all still in it just to win. Right. The girls, that's a big portion of it. Right. It's that hunter gatherer like mentality of like these little details matter. Like the fact that she's not talking to me right now matters to me. I feel as though Reboot had a good handle on that. He had a handle that, look, if people think that you're being cold, if people think that we're not working together, that's a major, like, you need to explain to people. You need to really, and I, I liked the idea. I, my favorite quote was where the lioness sometimes wondered if that was because Reboot was never able to properly give his attention to anything. Like, And we always see any Reboot. One, any one thing. Because he's so spread out. And we see that. There's that great scene in Dark Imperium where he has like 20 data slates in front of him and a bunch of books. And he's giving them all equal attention. And he's carrying on a conversation with the dude over here. It's like, holy cow. He's more of, he is, I think, in more, and this goes back to that whole, did the emperor plan all of this? Um, Raboot is definitely the statesman and the leader and yeah. the king figure. Whereas the lion is that laser focus we need to focus in on one thing and go kill something like, and i like hmm? go ahead i was just gonna say i really liked again going back to that growth thing mm -hmm. i like that he still is a hyper focused man who still does but i like that he at least has that reflection now to be like eh, maybe people did think i was cold and detached but you know what so like, like he, he's not a fundamentally changed. He's not like, I'm just going to be nicer to everybody and I'm going to no. do this. And and actually, gosh, I, darn it. I would actually be very disappointed. If he yes. Did. And I thought that was good because what's one of my biggest complaints about the Horus heresy? The Primarchs vary so wildly depending on who's writing them and how, what their interpretation of that Primarch is, whether they like them, whether they like a weird personality quirk about them, right? Like, that's one of my big problems is that you can have these characters that go between these two extremes. I thought this was a great continuation of Lion. Yes, he's reacting to being, uh, you know, <clears throat> 10,000 years into the future <laughs> and not knowing what the hell's going on. And yet he's still the Lion. I also do like when he's like, why am I so slow? This actually kind of crushed oh me as in the beginning when he's it, like, what enchantment so is yeah, this? And they're like, dude, you're just old. 
we got old. And I do like that that's Zabriel. That's what he leads with. He's like, because they're like, well, has he changed and old? Because we didn't know. And it's kind of fun, too, because we don't actually know what would happen to a Primarch after 10,000 years. Like, do they age well, like the guy from the Green Mile? Yeah, but but it kind of begs the question, like, what's really going on? Because, like, Reboot hasn't really aged because he's been in stasis. He was in a stasis field, though, right. right? But we were under the impression that he was also, like, with the Watchers of the Dark in a stasis. Now, is that an imperfect stasis? Was he never in stasis? Was the, Did the Watchers just kind of have him in one of their fever dream little capsules and just decided, you know what? And the Emperor was like, now. And they're like, yes, sir, and just released him into the forest. I mean, I... Why, why not at this point? Because there was this one short story in the Horus Heresy where the Watchers, where Loken, yes, it was Loken, Loken and Yaktan Kurs go to Caliban to see what's going on. And they get immediately captured. And we don't know who frees them, but I think it's Cypher. And then the Watchers, the Watchers release them as like, you need to go back to the Emperor and tell them what's going on. So right then, so then with this, the compact is like, okay, so the Emperor and the Watchers, like, they have a, they have something. There's simpatico. There's something. But what I was going to say earlier is like, one of, probably one of my favorite um, lines out of Angels of Caliban was when Reboot is like, he's pretty much pouting as he's trying to figure out what he's supposed to be doing in this triumvirate. And his, you know, mother figure, Yutin, is just like, Basically, something vexes thee. And he was like, I don't know what to do with all this. Like, what is my point here? And so she just said, she's like, Reboot, Sanguinius is ruling, but someone needs to run the Imperium. And that's you. And he goes, but what am, and then she gets up and walks away. He goes, well, what am I supposed to do about the lion? And she says, who says you have to do anything? And walks away like, that's such brilliant advice. Like, basically, let the lion be the lion. And you mm-hmm. be you and Sanguinius be Sanguinius. You know, stop trying to, like, rule over everything. And so with that, like, with, with the lion, you know, if only the lion could have heard that advice as well. Like, you know, stop trying to change everything. Just let let them be them and work and work Let together. reboot, reboot. Yes, let Sanguinius, Sanguinius, let you, let you do you. Uh but, you know, but please don't, like, bomb his people unnecessarily. And then invite, and then when he confronts you about it, you're like, yeah, well, these people killed your dad. Like, like dude, that wasn't cool. Well, and like. King Conor. But with all of that, <laughs> you know, with the lion now, you know, we still, yes, he's, he is still like that. So I'm going to, I mean, so we know how it ends. We know he's going to find a way to get to reboot. At least now that Dante's been here, Dante's going to be like, here's another voicemail to Robbie Bobby. Dude, you are not going to believe what I found on this side of the rift. <laughs> well, and I love I love his reaction that he, it's not even like reboot. It's just I'm not alone. Right. Like, and I actually go into something that you said. I wonder if this new this new brave new world that they're in where the Imperium is beset upon all sides by pick a thing. Right. That's going wrong, including the Imperium itself. The Emperor is out of commission. Is this going to be the time when the brothers, as they more of them come back to to uh, to life, back to the reality, um, like as they come back, are they going to be forced? Like in this situation, is Bob going to be like, "Look, go do your thing. Just go do your thing. I'll do my thing." And the, likewise, the lion will have to say, "Okay, 
you do your thing. Mm-hmm. I'll go out and do my thing. Like, I think there's a lot of symbolism there that the, that Raboot has the Emperor's sword, but the lion has the Emperor's shield. One of them is meant to be more of a figurehead of, like, I am charging forward and taking control of this situation, and the lion is there to defend. He has... Now, it does make me wonder, like, as more Primarchs come back, like, what other knickknacks of the Emperor are they going to get? Like, I think it's great that the lion has his shield. It's aesthetically, it's definitely a win. Um, But, like, somebody else is going to back, come back and they're going to get his boots? You're going to run out of regalia here, guys. Well, obviously, um, Rogaldorn's going to get the gauntlets. Obviously. I mean, I don't know what else get. Missing hands. Um, so, but with let's talk about... Gauntlets, he has a new hand. Exactly. And he has fist, shiny new golden hands. New fist, you might say. You might say. And they would be very imperial. Yes. Nice gold. Go nice with his hair. You know, with, with Dorn... Already gone white at the time. How much older could the guy look? I'm curious. <laughs> right? So let's talk a little bit about Zabriel and Baylor's journeys. Because they were, I thought they were a really neat mirror to one another. Oh, yeah. And how they could have very easily swapped roles, right? Like you get the impression, especially with Baylor. Like, so one of the things that I found that was very interesting about Zabriel is ironically what kept him on the straight and narrow was he didn't have anyone else with him. He was lonely and he was constantly like, he met up with other people and was like, mm, I don't like anything that you're about. And then he would move on. Mm-hmm. Well, as Baylor had Serifax and he had that, he had that connection and that brotherhood and okay, look, whatever you say, buddy. Oh, we have to truck with these literal demons. We have to truck with these cornites. Well, cause he, okay. Well, the crazy thing is, is that he was, believe he actually believed Sarah Fax's, you know, Sarah, basically I think Mike Brooks listens to this podcast because he might have heard, you know, my um, you know, boardwalk guy from Dogma theory about how the Emperor is just waiting for someone to pull the plug on life support so he can come on out. Oh, we're so gonna that, talk a lot about that here in a bit. So he liked uh so I'm gonna say that he listens to this podcast. And um but so he really believed that that's what Serifax was going to do, which I'm kind of laughing because I believe it was not St. Catherine. That Inquisitor is the same thing that they said they were going to do. The George Mann wrote it. Um, uh, Sabatine. Sabatine, is that her name? No, wait, wait, sorry, that's the Inquisitor. Yeah. Um, she's the one hunting the Dark Angels. Um, yeah, that, that, Sabathiel, Sabathiel. Sabbath yeah. Sorry. Yes. Were, where she woke up and they had that same thing there where they had the custodies because they're like, well, yes, this is what we're going to use to help like revive the emperor. It's like, why do you guys believe this? Well, and then remember, like we've, we've come across this before. I, I can't remember. It was in one of those John French Inquisitor novels. The guys who were like, we oh, just yeah. need to unplug the throne. Again, like this has been. To us. It, um... All of them. But I thought that. <laughs> I thought that Zabriel and Baylor, it, it was it was interesting to watch. And I really, it kind of killed me to watch Baylor just being ripped apart inside. And I like when the Slaneshi guy is just like, oh, were you that scared about hearing daddy's name? And he's like, screw you. <laughs> like, this is ri- like, this is random as hell for this backwater planet to be singing the praises of my dad who never went there. Like, mm-hmm. 
and you know they talked about um i'm trying to think of what book that was in it was one of the chris rates space wolf books it was in one of those books where they were talking about how like look if you're in the trenches with an imperial guardsman like ask them about the primarchs everyone knows about sanguinius right and he's like the really pious ones might know a few others they know russ though but it kind of made you think like does everybody know the lion does everybody have like speaking as an ex-catholic i can only name like probably four or five saints Right? Like, there's so many saints. I don't know. At this point in this world, is, are the Primarchs kind of like the... Are they more like the Apostles or are they more like the saints? I don't know. I would say the Apostles, actually. Probably. But I'm willing to bet that if you were to just grab someone off the street and be like, name all of the Apostles, you're probably going to get Peter, Peter, John, Maybe Thomas. Echo. Maybe Thomas, because of Doubting Thomas. Maybe. Like, I mean, I feel as though, I mean, and really, if you started to name them, if you started to go through the apostles, people would be like, are you just naming the top boys' names? Or they just the top boys names? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? No? no Matthew? But... Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> like, it's those type of things where it's like, oh, because it has to, they have a book in the Bible, right? No. Like, I don't know. Is that part of that? I liked, but I liked that he was immediately like, oh, man. Oh, man. And I thought that his ending was very fitting. I like that he saves the lion, but the lion's like, buddy, thank you, but I can't trust you. And Baylor's like, yeah, I know. Like, there was no, like, big, no, please, please, I've changed, I've changed. Or nor was there some big dramatic, you said you'd forgive us. Look who you really are. No, he was just like, you're right. You can't really. And even Zabriel's like, you can't. You just can't. I also, um, I liked Zabriel's journey as well. I liked the whole idea that the Fallen have like a secret language that they use to talk to each other. Actually reminds uh, me of, because, you know, you probably heard this too as a kid about that hobos used to yes. mark stuff. So that's what kind of made me think of. Or like, again, I always go back into D&D. There's the Thieves' Cant, which that's what that is, right? The hobo marks is based off, the Thieves' Cant is based off of that. I liked the idea that as he's going through, he's like, okay, there's the three broken. So, okay, I know who these people are. And then all of a sudden he's like, "Mm hmm. But I like, I really liked that. Again, we've talked about this before. We see all these people who just want that sense of brotherhood and that sense of belonging. It is so hard coded into them. Um, I thought, I thought that was, I thought, I thought he handled those two journeys and that two, the two sides of how you could very easily go over to the chaos side very easily Mm -hmm. or you can stay the straight and narrow but you get the impression that zabriel's had a much harder life than baylor has right and all it took was mirror wings for baylor to be like "Ooh, i don't think so (laughs) wait you said we were going to bring the emperor back (laughs) let's talk about that let's let's jump ahead one question then we'll come back to the other one and talk about was Seraphax a good antagonist for the lion in this book? And what do you think of his plan? Well, I mean, yeah, he has a plan. As good as any other chaos plan. I, the only reason why I thought he was a good antagonist for the lion was because he was the. So the lion could see how far some of his sons have, yes, fallen, how far they have fallen. So we can totally understand what he's working with here, that they're not all, not all the fallen are going to be like Zabriel. They're not all going to be like Seraphax. 
you know, some are going to be like, um, you know, the guy who won the, the hermit. I can't remember his name. I think I wrote my notes. Called him the hermit. Some are going to are going to be like him. Uh, some are going to be like Boris, who are in an interesting gray area. Not chaos, but definitely piratical. Piratical. That happened. Piratical. Um, he's know, also a piranha. You know, because there's also the whole question that we know Astalon and Luther are still out there. Mm-hmm. Especially Luther, since since Azrael doesn't know how to close the door behind him. Um, he had some things on his mind at the time. Yeah, he still could close the door behind him. <laughs> it's just, oh crap, Luther got out. Don't know where he was going to go on the rocks. The Watchers. Which, which, you know, and I actually could have written like a whole dissertation after all the Horus Heresy books I've read about the, about the Dark Angels, about whose side are the Watchers really on? Just like, I can't tell whose side Cypher was on. And I don't mean the current Cypher. Or maybe I do. I don't know. Because the whole thing is weird with how that went in the end with the Cypher and Zahariel. Who knows? It's a... And that is kind of the fun of it also with Dark Gary. He's like, whose side are they on? You know, with it's kind of funny, you know, how, you know, they Zabriel's even telling a lion, by the way, like your guys, like, like they're, they're still loyal, but they kind of like suddenly stop doing things when they get a sense that, that we're out here. And Lion's like, well, that's kind of a problem. Well, and I like, but I also like that he was basically like, yeah, that's a future me problem. Right. Like, I, I got I to gotta get off this planet. I got to figure out what's going on. I got to figure to get, out who, what, when, where, why, how. I need to get to Terra. And now it's like, well, now I need to find Reboot. And honestly, what I loved about the, well, because I was really interested how that was going to have, because was, obviously there was a huge parallel going on with the Unremembered Empire. When Reboot is on my crack and saying, I just need one of my loyalist brothers to come here and help me with this. Just one. Any of them. And then it's Lion. And the he's like, Lion pops like, oh, up God, and he's like, why? Why this guy of all people? Like, why him? And, and I need he, one. Any other one than him. <laughs> right? Anybody else will do. Um, but when but when he's thinking, because there is, I, I rewrote down the page where he's actually thinking, he's like, I just want to know if any of my brothers are around. Like, I just want one of them. Anybody. I was like, oh, be careful what you wish for, dude. And then he hears it's Reboot. I was totally expecting him to have the same reaction that the Reboot did. And be like, why this guy? <laughs> right. But then he did. But I, like, okay. I am not alone. But but I think that's a mark of growth. Very much so. Very much so. And I think he just, like, again, of all, of all your brothers, at least that's one that you have a history with. Right? Like, I always think about um, when Mortaria, and I think it's in the second Dark Imperium book, when he's thinking about Reboot, and he's like... I didn't even really like not like this guy. I didn't really have any opinions about him at all. Yeah, like like he, he was he just kind of milk toast. He was like he's not he's not the one that I liked the most or the one I liked the least. He's the one I know the least about. I think he even called him the boring one. Which is yeah, really funny. Which I like, but at least like for reboot, it's like or with the, the lion, it's like at least I know the guy. And it was kind of interesting. So I really liked the test. That he was given, which I totally forgot to talk about in the beginning. I liked the test he was given when the warp stuff is taking on the persona of his brothers and oh, basically that was saying. That probably one of my favorite parts. 
I loved it because it's basically them saying the thoughts that you know are going through his head, like his deep, dark thoughts. And Reboot, Reboot is probably the gentlest of them in that, where he's just like, you ruin everything. Like, it's the other brothers who really needle him, right? What got Uh, me was Ferris. That one... The fact that Ferris spoke to him at all made me sad as well, because I'm like, oh, man. And of all things he said, where's your vengeance? It's like, oh, man, just cut that to the quick, dude. I I know you've been dead the longest, but way harsh, Ty. You didn't need to go that far. Well, and I love, um, I love, I love Lorgar's thing too. Like, oh, now you accept this worship as a god. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Because like, we've already seen Reboot have to struggle with this. It's going to be interesting to watch the lion have to struggle with it as well, right? To be like, oh my God, like not even a thing. And I do, I also like, because I had to go back to that page when Ferris Manus is like, where is your vengeance? I like that Korax, where is your guile? And then, of course, who hits him the hardest and the most? Conrad. It is Conrad Kurz who's real, who's there the longest. Because everybody else kind of takes a hit and disappears, right? Well, but oh, no, no, well, no, no. Uh, well, Lehman Russ is there also. Yeah, for quite a bit at the beginning. Yeah. But, but he, he disappears. But it's, the, cause, it's the two brothers, I think, that he related to the most. Whether... Or, well, and or the two that he, I guess, kind of had this interesting relationship is probably the better better way to put it because he kind of had a hunter and prey thing with Conrad, and with with Lehman Russ, I think it was just a you know a one upmanship. Mm-hmm. Well, and I liked the. Um... I like, like, you could tell, like, he, you could tell Kurz got under his skin from the Unremembered Empire, from Angels of Caliban. He has such a history with this man. And I liked, I had to go to the the page when he says that uh, when Kurz is just talking about he's like, entire worlds shat themselves when they heard that I was coming. Right. And, um... Then he talks about, like, he's like, yeah, but then you would burn planets to ash just cuz. And I like when he said, why is it, brother, that you are a hero and I am a villain simply because I left some wretches alive to talk about me? It's like, again, you can see that these are like the darkest thoughts. And that was why I love this scene is one, it was all, they were all kind of within the guise of their characters. But you could tell that this is the lion at his most introspective. Like these are every intrusive thought that goes into his head. From the darkness. Yeah, actually, when I, when I got to this line with Kurz, I was like, oh, Jen's in her happy place. Hmm. When he says, at least I knew which of my legion deserved to die. They all did, the lion growls. Kurz smiles. And I knew that. Oh, my God. I love that. Um, I absolutely loved I, That whole scene was amazing. But that was, like, you had Serifax and you had this... Like the end, once he beat Serifax, I was like kind of looking at the uh, the ebook. I was like, oh, there's still a lot of pages. How do you top Serifax? Aha. <laughs> That's how you top Serifax. Basically the lion fighting himself. Mm-hmm. It reminded me a little bit of the mirror concept from the never ending story. Mm. Yeah. Like just fighting everything that you've been thinking. 
Right. And it also reminded me a little bit of St. Celestine. I was also when she has to go through all those demons. That's a good one too. But I was actually I was actually thinking of Empire Strikes Back when Luke goes to the cave. Very much that, right? Chops off Vader's head and it's his head inside. Like it's there's so much going on in that scene. You're absolutely right. That's exactly it reminded me of that. It reminded me of Celestine constantly being challenged by the demons. Like this was like the one final test of you've got to get out of your head. You have to shake off all of these negative, all this negativity that you have, every doubt, everything that you're sitting there going, oh man, we don't have time for this right now. You need to take up my shield and you need to go out there and be the lion. And he passed. <laughs> he passed the test. Um, all right. So let's talk about, because these last two things kind of pull into one another. What percentage, if you had to guess, of the fallen have potential to be risen? Mm. If anything, from what I remember of Angel's Darkness, I would say of the fallen, maybe a third. That's a lot of guys. Definitely That's not a half, whole lot of guys. For no. For the third, for sure. No, I don't think it's half. I think you're right. I think it's less than a half. Maybe a third I could get on board with that. Um, because you have to think, and this has always been one of those things that I know Angels of Darkness really touched on, and then we have it in the modern 40K universe. We haven't really seen it, really. The concept of the fallen who were like, look, I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. I was a grunt. I wasn't one of Luther's best friends. I didn't know what was going on. The lion, like right. Zabra even talked about, the lion came through and just killed a whole bunch of recruits. He didn't even know who they were. They didn't know who he was. And like, I could see those guys being like, screw you, dude. I didn't even know right. who you were. And you came and started killing us. We're like, what the hell's going on? And I did like when he's like, you're not even loyal to the emperor. And the lion's like, excuse you. But that was always his take. It's like, you turned traitor. You came back and you killed all of us. And we hadn't done anything. So just this huge, it's a huge misunderstanding. Um, which is funny to me because I think I've said this, that like one of the tropes that I hate in movies and in books that sends me through the goddamn roof is misunderstandings and challenges or fights or arguments that could have been prevented with one five minute conversation. I really hate that. It's like this whole situation could have been involved, could have been avoided. If someone would have been like, oh, hey, did you did you know this? And the other person goes, no, I did not know that. This is what killed uh, Jen's enjoyment of the Order 1886. Yes. It wasn't the looking at things. It was the not talking to one another for two minutes. Again, a two, it, it, I especially hate it when it's a conversation that a basic human being would have. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there is no way that as human beings, you would not just like have this conversation. Like I, I, I point to rom-coms. Rom-coms are probably the worst offenders of this. Like he sees his cousin and he hugs her and he kisses her and she see like on the cheek. But she, the love interest, sees it and is like, oh, he's cheating. And he's like, oh, I don't know. I don't have to explain myself to you. Like a, like a normal human being would be like, what, what was that? That's my cousin. Oh, misunderstand it and avoid it okay cool or you know but the movie the evil villain hmm? the exactly because the movie needs to happen yeah. exactly that <laughs> hate that um 
Which is what makes this particularly funny because, yeah, I feel like... And I did like that Zabriel had the conversation. They didn't sit there and just fight. Zabriel's like, you are a traitor. And the lion's like, you're talking about... No, you're the traitor. And they immediately suss it out. And then when Zabriel goes to see the other fallen, first words out of his mouth. Yeah, apparently there's like a huge misunderstanding here. And I liked that there are like some varying degrees of... Are you sure? <laughs> and yeah, I, I never liked Luther. Told you there was something wrong with Luther. Like, I liked this idea that everybody was having the conversations they were supposed to have. The crazy like thing is, is that, years. you know, if you look at, you know, from from reading Angels of Caliban and looking at Angels of Darkness, Luther wasn't even having those conversations with Astalan. Astalan was doing his own thing. 100% his own thing. And in fact, like the whole, you know, um, debacle that kind of started the revolt against the lion's troops wouldn't, I don't think it really would have happened if Astalane hadn't been like, you know what? That is my ship. You, that's my, and I am taking it back. Cause Luther was like, what are you doing? I am taking back what's right. I didn't tell you to do this. And then suddenly a fight breaks out. Luther's like, what are we doing? We're supposed to be together. And right. And then Astalane's like, whatever we're, we're, we're doing it, doing it this way. So it's almost like, we don't know who, what is doing what? Because even you know, in Astalane's interrogation, he doesn't have, he doesn't tell like the full truth there either, or even like what half of what he remembers. And he, the whole time, he feels put upon. Mm-hmm. At, from his very first short story that was actually not written by Gav Thorpe, and then Gav Thorpe just took that and went with it. So it's really interesting. You have that perspective. Then you have Luther, who's just like, I'm being punished, and I don't even know why. He's not even talking to me. I didn't even do anything. I'm now angry. Cypher's making his own little plans. Everybody else is upset because they're left behind. And then this asshole just kind of comes in. It's like, I need 30,000 people. But what about our plan? Oh, who cares? I need them right now. Like, why can't we just talk about this? Nope. Guns out. We all fight. So, yes, it, it was a, a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it took 10,000 years, but much like the Titanic, better late than never. Um, Ghostbusters 2's references for the win. Yeah, that's um, actually probably my favorite line from that movie. It's really, like, arguably the best line, in, yeah, from that whole movie. Other than, nicely, it was very nice, brief, but pointless. Was... <laughs> <laughs> those, those two lines. Um, but, yes, um, I mean, better late than never that they are having these conversations. It took 10,000 years. But, you know, I love the idea that there are guys out there who are like, yes, thank God <laughs> we've been rescued by the Like We've been rescued by the lion. The lion is back. Let's let's do over, essentially. Right. It's just, it just to me is going to make this all much more interesting when the lion finally does not only reconcile with Reboot, but with Asriel. With so let's talk about that, shall we? Because, like. You know, Marnius Calgar hasn't had the best time since Reboot's come back. But Reboot? I was thinking about this the other day. Follow me down this weird thought experiment I was having. Reboot comes back and is disappointed in his son's performance, right? Like, the 500 worlds aren't in our control anymore. Like, you allowed this to happen. You allowed this to happen. Like, fully knowing he's more like a disapproving father, right? The lion is essentially going to go back to the rock and be like, so your entire identity needs to change now. Yes, I understand that we have it. 
Anyways, we'll get to that in a second. Um, but, like, he's essentially going to go in and be like, everything you're doing, I want you to change. Just stop it. Is it better to have dad come back and play the discerning dad if I'm not sure I like what you've done here? Or is it better to have the dad be like, everything that's about... It's like the line from uh, How to Train Your Dragon. We need to fix this. You this. just pointed to all of me. You just, all of me. Yeah. Like, you're going to go back to Azrael and basically not not just tell him that he, like, I don't even know if he covers the, I don't, I disapprove of how you've been behaving because it's very dark angel-y. And the lion kind of even seems to accept that when Zabriel's like, yeah, they, uh, they'll they drop literally everything for the Imperium because they think they've heard about one fallen angel. And the lion's like, okay. Uh, I mean, takes it surprisingly in stride. I mean, you know, to quote the Hulk, the big monster. Yes. Exactly. That's exactly, and I mean, it's very dark angel-y. It's very lion, big monster. Like, very lion. Well, it's not just that; it's the lion. Extraneous details focus in on that problem. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Is there an angel? Yeah, but like, there's like an orc invasion on the next planet over. <laughs> angel wearing black. <laughs> Extraneous details. So it's like you know. It, I think it's. Uh oh. Your mic just, sorry, your mic's gone. Wow, technical difficulties here, people. No idea what happened, but Jen's mic has suddenly just disappeared. (laughs) There it is, kind of. Nope, it's gone again. All right, let's try that, shall we? It's there. Yay, she's back. I I don't even know. This is funny. She's not amused, though. Nope, can't hear you. Eat. No, now I can. Awesome. Wow. Yeah, every now and then, Discord is just like, no, with my mic for some whatever reason. Um, Anyways, the thing I was saying is that I think think what's going to be interesting is how well they adhere to the new rules right of like okay look because his his rules are essentially going to be somewhat vague or somewhat prone to bending we will accept a fallen if they haven't trucked with chaos right so it makes you wonder how many of these interrogator night chaplains are going to go out and be like oh yeah that guy was just full of chaos are you sure oh yeah 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 yeah. no 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 we 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 took the we took the we took the tools to what he was chaos Are are you sure though like, literally every fallen you come across is with chaos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He looks at all the interrogator chaplains with their rosary beads. Exactly. He's going to be like, were all of them chaos? Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're go- going forward. All of them have to be with chaos for us to kill them. And Oh, yeah, no, every single one of them still. There's chaos left and right. It's crazy. <laughs> like, I could absolutely see a world in which this becomes. Because, like, right now... Reboot has the problem of the Primaris, and I can't wait to see what Lion's reaction to the Primaris is going to be, right? Like, ooh, that's going to be a fun one. Um, Reboot has his own problems, right, within his Legion. A lot of it just boils down to the Primaris versus the OG and the fact that they are spread very thin right now. Um, 
I I think that's going to be the big thing for the Dark Angels going forward is this idea of like some people are just not going to accept the Risen. They're not going to accept this concept. Like my whole identity has been built around the fact that I hunt these guys. And now you're telling me that some of them are okay? I'm afraid that's exactly what I'm telling you. 10,000 years is, is a long time. Right. And it's going to be interesting because we've always talked about this and I can't wait to see it. And like, I can't wait to see it play out. One of the things we've talked about is that the, the dark angels are very secretive by nature. They're very compartmentalized. They're very, we do our own thing and we don't really have to explain it to anybody because that's kind of how they've always been. Even before the heresy, right? They had these orders and these groups and sects and, it's going to be very interesting to see when the lion comes back if how many of the sects fall in line under him and if whether or not he's able to be like, look, not only am I your dad, I was at Caliban, so I get to determine who is and isn't evil, right? Like, it's going to be interesting if they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, 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 sure. I mean, there was always a death wing. There was always an inner circle, always like the raven wing and, and stuff like that. It's just going to be interesting. I always be like, okay, like, no more secrets with this. We're going to work on this together. You know, especially now that, you know, tell Reboot, this is what happened. Let me go do this. And Reboot most likely would be like, yeah, that's fine. Uh, I got right. Or problems. maybe he delegates. Right. Like, I got other problems. You need to go, like, hunt down Wayward Brothers. Okay, fine. Like, that's fine. Because Can, can you can you delegate and go deal with some of the Tyranids, though? Because that'd be great. <laughs> And you can absolutely see the lion being like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I trust these guys. They'll go del- I'll, I'll delegate to them. Because he even talks about how he is a fan of delegation because for those extraneous, extraneous details, details, right? Mm-hmm. Do the fallen become that? Does he have? I could see or does it, that's, that's going to be Zabriel's job. Is that he's I was just about to say. Ambassador. The ambassador for the Dark Angels. The Dark Ambassador. Um, it, it, that would be an interesting concept for him, too. Like, go find them. The ones who aren't with chaos. We don't want those guys. Um, that could be very interesting, but it does mean like, what do some of these people do? Like this is again, this has been 10,000 years of their life. It, it's, it's going to be an adjustment period, I feel like. And I hope, I know that like with the, with the, um, like some people are grumpy with Reboot being back even, right? Like even some of the Ultramarines oh are like, oh I can't oh, wait man. for the High Lords of Terra to freak out. There's, there's now two of them. There's another one? No, there's two of them. This is getting out of hand. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's going to be that reaction of like, oh, great. And I can't wait for the custodians to be like, <laughs> they're going to have to assign a babysitter to the lion too. As this guy who didn't even show up at the end. Uh, right, exactly. Well, yeah, we're going to trust this guy? I was out destroying, like, their home world, but you weren't here. But I was out doing this. Don't you get it? I was doing important work. <laughs> I decided it was important. Don't ask. Um, additionally, it'll be interesting to see how the Inquisition reacts to yet another Primarch coming back and one who is much better at being secretive than they are. Oh, man. I did write down a Especially quote. looking at you, Sabathiel. A quote I wrote down. The echoes of Malgador reaching down through the centuries. Yes, yes. And how he's just like, gosh, that old man's doing stuff again. And then he's immediately like, but you know what? I understand why he did that. It makes sense. 
it's a much more like temperate lion. Yeah. Uh, while still doling out the punishment and the pain. I mean, obviously, like, so obviously we know his very next step is to go banish Angron from this mortal plane again <laughs> to save Dante. Uh, like, we, we know that that's his next step. But then after that, do you think he goes and finds Bob first or do you think he goes to his chapter first? I have no idea. I don't either. I could see either one. Like, does he get a, does he get a, a note out across the rift? Like, hey, guess what? We're back. I'm back. Come see me or come talk to me. Send me a message. Well, I mean, there is, uh, that, um, there is that kind of bridge, you know, that, right. that Dante and Rabutipo take in to get between Ball, I guess, and uh, Imperium Sanctum. Yes. Yes. So I nearly send my tablet off my desk there. Um, yeah, there is there is a pathway. It's going to be interesting. If what, what is more important, like an order of operations, is it more important for him to go see his brother? Or is it more important for him to get his sons in line? Or is he going to make a classic lion mistake and be like, oh, they'll get the message that I'm back and they'll just know what to do. They'll also have done the math. I don't know. <laughs> Do the, do the Risen have to paint their armor green? Yes. I think they do. It's going to be interesting when they show up in their green armor and they'll just be like, yeah, I'm Zabriel. Like, we don't have any record of a Zabriel. Clerical error. Clerical error. I mean. Are you sure you're not falling? Yeah. It, it's going to be, I, I'm really, I'm here for this. I'm here for the next book with the lion where, let me ask you this though. Um, we have the next Dawn of Fire book coming out. Which is not going to have the lion because this is like no. pre all this. So yeah. Does the lion ever enter into the Dawn of Fire series? And do you give less of a crap about Dawn of Fire now that the lion's back? Like, I kind of stopped giving a crap about Dawn of Fire about two or three books ago. Um, Fair. The last one just kind of sealed it for me. Um, again, I understand why the part of me understands why they decided to do this. But then you needed to get them out much faster than you have because now everything has moved on. Because this all takes place before the fight with Mortarion, right? So now uh -huh. if this is all after that fight, well, then none of this stuff matters. I had to go back and look. The first Dawn of Fire book that we read was in August of 2020. Yeah, they're taking too long for this. And I get it. I get it. You don't want to, like, just bam, 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 bam. Like, you don't want to just crank them out. I get it. But now that the lion's back... My first thought when I got to the end of this book was, A, I want more Lion, but B, this makes that series even more moot. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't care about any of this. Like, when I think about the next book, I'm even like, uh, more about it. Because this magical MacGuffin plot going on over here, like, great. We have another Primark. Like, you need to tell us more Primark stuff with the Lion. Because... When Bob came out, to be fair, when Bob came out, there were like five books about him yeah. or, or in which he was in, right? Because like you had to, Dark Imperium, you had him showing up with Devastation of Ball, you had him in Watchers of the Throne. He was, he was mentioned in the, um, 
oh my god the vaults of terror series like he he, he was his presence was being known yeah, i'm gonna get the one with the lion well and, and we'll i think I, and I told you that you know when i finished there was an afterward in the limited edition i don't know if it's in the hardback or not but mike brooks wrote the afterward at the very least he wrote that in june 2022 so they've had this book for nearly a year this is another problem and i understand that why they, they might have wanted to sit on it because of the whole donna fire thing but donna fire you guys have got to be i think that's why we're getting another one so fast is because they're realizing crap like mm-hmm. i mean people are, are losing interest in this because they want to know what's going on new in the imperium not what happened in the very beginning Right. They want to see what's going on now. And I I think, I know we've talked about this and I don't want to derail this conversation too much, but it was, I, I mentioned it only because it was my first thought, is that like, you you never should have done this Donna Fire series. You should have just kept going on with the Dark Imperium or figured out something else. The fact that we are now... We're going back to go through the Indomitus Crusade. Well, now that the lion's awake, I don't care unless he is an integral part of it. Are you going to have to go and reboot Donna Fire now to deal with the fact that midway through the lion wakes up? I don't know. Maybe. What is this? Comic books? Uh, at this point, yes. It's, it's starting to feel that way, which I don't want it to feel this way. Um, too much, Too much comic trauma. Uh, I will say that having read this, I, I'm very excited for our next book. But having read this, I'm like, oh, man, now we got to go back in time. Yeah, we got to go back in time. But I do get to carry a nice limited edition in my hands again, since I missed both the hardback and the limited edition, if I didn't mention that already, about the lion. I'm very bitter, especially given how much I loved this book. She's um, not bitter. Not at all. Um, I, I am not, not even denying it. There is no denial here. I'm owning it. Um, this is like, I just love this book so much. Um, but so we are reading Armageddon by ADB next, which will be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. I'm excited to read it. But I, I'm like, again, and now I'm impatient. Like, well, I want to see what happens next with the lion. Well, I need him to go do stuff and knows? things. Who knows what book we're going to get next? the the sisters book like when you look at the so let's hold with us for one second here as i go and look at the black library coming soon page the books that are coming soon are the pilgrims of fire book which that hardback sold out in like two seconds um the leviathan omnibus which i'm pretty sure is a re it's a reprint of that yeah because i have that one the martyr's tomb which is the next on a fire book get hype Lords of Blood or Blood Angels Omnibus, Void King in paperback, like uh, ciphers coming out in hardback, and then you have a new Warhammer Crime book, which the crime series I think has basically been dead. I like to imagine that somebody was like, what happened to that? Do we still publish those? Like, not very inspiring. And I know that the summer always is kind of like they, they kind of treat the summer like I went back and looked through some of the um the books that we've read over the summer and I I can remember conversations where we were like, Man, nothing's releasing this summer. Yeah, except okay, two great. summers ago we did read Goblite. That's true. How was that already two summers ago? Oh my god. Yeah. 
three summers ago was uh, First, I'm the going. last of Fabulous Bill book. And then, so that would mean that what four summers ago was Apocalypse. Could be because I read that one in Costa Rica. Ah, oh, yes, then, then yes. Um, yeah. That I'm so sorry. That was like the like most casually bougie thing I've said tonight. <laughs> um, but I am excited to read Armageddon. I loved this book, though. This this is definitely going to be one of my top contenders. There were so many great lines in it. I really enjoyed it. I'm now like scrolling eBay for hardbacks of limited editions of this stupid book. Uh, this is where my life has brought me. Um, I just, I want more lion. I, I want to see what he's doing, where he's going. This fundamentally changes the world. Don't want to read more Indominus Crusade, where the world has not been fundamentally changed by the return of the lion. Or really by anything. Because nothing in it matters. Nothing. But there's a magical MacGuffin plot, Carrie. It's and a, not going to matter. And an Inquisitor who was, or sorry, a rogue trader who was very, like, uh, featured in that Void King book. And now she's back because you thought to yourself, what happened to her and her before she got killed? None of it matters. I can't tell if this is my headache or if I really am just this grumpy about this series. Talk amongst yourselves. You know, like the whole Shards of Erebus thing wasn't that with donna fire yes okay. it, the shards of erebus and the stupid ring and the machine and the okay, machine right, right, to right. run the so ring none of that's gonna matter none of it matters no because this is all after but unlike lewis's speech it is not brief but it is pointless <laughs> nice very nice bloated but pointless Wow, we could. Use I that really turned into a hater. We 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 could use that for a lot of stuff in the Warhammer 40k, though. Bloated but pointless. That's fair. That is actually very fair. Looking at you, Siege of Terra. I yeah, that's true. Mm, yeah, before all the before grumpiness the comes out. But you didn't think that it needed to be a, that it needed to be like eighty books detailing what every single Primarch ate at Angron's birthday party. To be fair, it's only fifty-four books describing what Angron ate at his birthday party. So far, <laughs> so far, it's exactly. Like... There's more short stories that could be written, folks. Exactly, more short stories, more books, more pictures of spaghetti. Anyways, do you want to take us out, Carrie? Well, on that note, I'm talking about, you know, what the what spaghetti the Primarchs ate for dinner. Yeah, I think I will. So you have listened to the Warhammer 40k book club episode regarding The Lion, the Son of the Forest by Mike Brooks. Be sure to join us next time for Armageddon by Aaron Dembski-Bowden. We are an unofficial book club and not affiliated with the Black Library or any of its affiliates. You can find both the vidcast and podcast on our website, wh40kbookclub.com. If you like this episode, please like, subscribe, give a review, and all those things to the vidcast on YouTube or the podcast on anywhere you get podcasts. Our site also has articles about our adventures in reading other Warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books. So please stay a while and read from our crag. Yeah, I'm not all farious tonight because I'm just... <laughs> I am not going to suggest that you're getting... 
chartreuse because apparently I just buy everything digitally now because I can't get the copies online. Well, you could. People are selling like tens of them on eBay. Let me tell you that what is not happening. I would pay like for a 75 book, 100 bucks. Okay, sure. Whatever. You got to it first. Congratulations. But $200? Get bent. Oh, I have That's that. how I'm ending the podcast with my migraine. Get yep. bent, bud. Yep. I have my own little personal speech about people who do this. But anyway, I'll save it for... They're horrible. For never. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Warhammer 40k book club is hosted by Jen Bozier and me. Recording and editing of both the vidcast and podcast were done by me. The book club questions and discussion format were done by Jen, and all of our music is by Jingle Punks. The Warhammer 40k book club is a Warhammer LLC production. This is a Voxcast that even he, Cato Sicarius, would approve.